Would you rather be? I'm Paul Clifford, CEO of the Penn State Alumni Association, and welcome to the People of Penn State podcast. Each week on the podcast, you can expect to hear the voices of Penn Staters talking about what they're passionate about, and you can expect to feel the pride and the power of the Penn State network. You can find the People of Penn State podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Subscribe and give us a rating. Ratings and reviews are really the best way to help other Penn Staters find these great stories. And boy, do we have a great story to pass on to you today. Today, I'm joined by Mike Carnes. Mike is a Tony Award-winning theater producer and entrepreneur. He is the founder and CEO of Marathon Digital, Broadway's first social media agency representing prominent influencers and revolutionary brands on Broadway and beyond. His current client list includes really the who's who of Broadway, Hamilton, Ain't Too Proud, Hades Town. the list goes on and on. During his early years, Mike's work has been featured in Forbes and Wired Magazine and Newsday, and most importantly, on his parents' refrigerator in Erie, Pennsylvania. As a producer, Mike has been represented on Broadway, uh, including Ain't Too Proud as a co-producer. Um, which garnered a Tony nomination. Hades Town as a co-producer, which he won the Tony Award for. Uh, and then The Great Comet, uh, the Great Comet uh, where he was also co-producer and received another Tony nomination. I'm excited to welcome Mike to the People of Penn State podcast. Mike, how are you today? I'm good, Paul. How are you doing? I am fantastic. Excited about our conversation today. We mentioned your parents' refrigerator already in Erie, Pennsylvania. Let's start right there. How did you go from Erie to becoming a Penn State Nittany Lion? Yeah, so um, unlike a lot of people that come to Penn State, I did not have a long lineage of Penn State. Uh, I was a theater kid growing up in Erie, Pennsylvania. I did shows at the local community theater there. Um, and as I was starting to get ready for college, I thought, well, you either, if you, I want to work in theater, I either need to work on stage or backstage. Um, I don't have the best singing voice. And so I felt like on stage wasn't the play. Um, and so as a result, I started looking for programs that had design tech and, and stage management in it. Um, I looked at a, a bunch of different schools and um, then I came to Penn State as a senior and uh, sat in on some classes um, and was actually invited to an ugly Christmas sweater party by a few of the upperclassmen that uh, that went here. Um, and so I'm super proud to say that like the ugly Christmas sweater party was the thing that pushed it over the edge for me uh, and why I ultimately decided to come to Penn State. Um, so I was a stage management and lighting design major in the School of Theater at Penn State. So I know theater took up a lot of your time while you were here at Penn State. What are some of the things you were involved in on stage and beyond? 
Yeah. So the the vast majority of my time was uh, spent working within the theater. I wasn't a part of a lot of other groups because the time associated with working in the school theater was immense. Um, so I was involved with a number of different productions throughout my time. I worked downtown at the downtown theater. Um, my senior year, I designed the lights for uh, rent in the pavilion and I stage managed our production of Peter Pan. Um, and then in addition, I, I worked at Eisenhower. Um, I was involved in some stuff at the State Theater from time to time, um, but largely was uh, just in the, the theater uh, world for the most part, as far as my time was concerned. What are some of your favorite memories from your time at Penn State from, from all the productions that you were involved in? Yeah, the thing that I loved most about Penn State, but the, the productions were wonderful. The School of Theater um, was the first place that I really felt like I belonged. Um, I wasn't super popular in high school, um, was kind of that theater kid. And uh, so uh, when I came to Penn State, I found this nucleus of people that were like me, had similar interests to me. Um, and at the same time, I lived in East Dorms. And so I was able to live with these people who were not theater people at all, uh, and yet were in a similar sort of phase of life. Um, and that was the thing that was most uh, bonding to me about Penn State and why I continue to have so much um, affinity for the school is just because I was able to both be uh, a, a big fish in a very small pond and also a very small fish in a very big pond. And so the combination of those two things is really what was most um, that made me feel most uh, a part of the Penn State family. Mike, what's your advice to to kids who find themselves in the situation that you found yourself in, whether it was you who saw yourself as different or others who saw you as different and coming into that new environment. I know that that's, you know, a topic that, that um, high school kids really struggle with, but don't talk a, a lot about. What would your advice be to the 17, 18 year old Mike Carnes coming into that situation again? Yeah. The, um, it gets better uh, phrase is something that I uh, really try to reinforce when I'm talking to high school programs and things like that is um, the the time that you spend in high school is but a blip on the sort of larger journey of life that you will go on. Um, and so uh, for me, I felt as though I was able to come to Penn State and find a community of people that cared about me, cared about the things that I cared about. Um, and so my advice always is, uh, is to just ha hang on and get through the high school experience because, um, there are more people like you, there are more people interested in the things that you're interested in. Um, and, uh, you can find them out there. I was fortunate enough to find them at Penn state. No matter your profession or what stage of your career you're at, Alumni Career Services is here to help you. Located on the University Park campus, Alumni Career Services is available to all Penn State alumni, regardless of location. Our Alumni Career Services team is there to forge connections with one of the largest alumni bases in the world. They offer events and webinars to help advance your career and provide job search resources that allow you to find the career that's just right for you. Learn more about career services by going to alumni.psu.edu backslash career. This is the People of Penn State podcast. I'm Paul Clifford. I'm joined by Tony Award winner and CEO of Marathon Digital, Mike Carnes. So, Mike, uh, great experience at Penn State. 
set you up for what has been a fantastic career on Broadway. How did your time at Penn State lead you to Broadway? Yeah, so I, I came to school, like I said, I, I thought you either worked on stage or backstage in theater. I thought those were the two options. And so as I was in school, I pretty quickly recognized that working backstage wasn't the thing that I wanted to do. Um, and so I was very fortunate to have uh, advisors, Travis DeCastro, who ran the stage management program at the time, um, and a number of my other advisors encouraged me to do internships uh, in the summer between school. Uh, and that was really where I realized that there were all these other jobs out there to be able to work in the theater, um, but not necessarily be working on stage or backstage. Um, and so I did a town, I did an internship at a talent agency. I worked at a general management office, which is like a, a bookkeeping and finance office for theater. Um, I did a, I got a grant from Penn State actually, um, a research grant the summer after my sophomore year to go in and interview um, Broadway directors about their pedagogy. Um, and so in doing that, I really recognized that there were all of these other potential career paths out there for me. So that was the thing that was uh, hugely beneficial because it com completely changed the trajectory of my career. What were what were some of the big takeaways from that project your sophomore year? I, it, it would almost seem like that's uh, that that would give you a leg up um, when when you graduate on on your way into Broadway. That you've already done all of these kind of informational interviews. Directors have probably given you the the key to their success. What were some of your big takeaways? Yeah, the, the biggest things that I, I took away, one was that I was able to have this opportunity as a result of the, the Penn State network. And so um, the idea of using the uh, networks and communities that you're a part of was a huge uh, founding principle of all of the, the folks that I interviewed. Um, and the, the other thing really um, came out of those interviews was that I didn't want to be a director. Um, and similarly, in the internships that I did, um, I recognized that I didn't want to do the things that I was doing internships in. But by exposing myself to them, by being a part of those things, I was able to see, oh, here are other areas that I might be interested in. And here are people that I will want to know regardless of what area I end up in. Um, my business early on, uh, I generated a lot of business based on internships that I had and relationships that I made while I was uh, a student at Penn State and working in New York in the summers. So um, that was hugely beneficial for me in my, I, I was able to um, progress much more quickly as a result of uh, having had those experiences while still in school. So Mike, is that where the seed for kind of um, the entrepreneurial venture that you were about to take um, was planted? Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and and kind of that origin story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest thing that I always say is that I never uh, slated, I, I never viewed myself as an entrepreneur. I never had ambitions to start a business. Um, looking back now, I definitely had an entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. You know, I uh, sold t-shirts out of the back of my buddy's car when I was in 10th grade at my high school and uh, organized a, a ultimate Frisbee tournament the summer after my senior year of high school in Erie. Um, but I, I never had uh, intentions of starting a business or doing this thing in any major way. Uh, and so as I got out of school, I was just kind of trying to figure out what the next thing for me was going to be. Um, I realized that um, producing was something that 
conceptually I was interested in. I had not had a ton of um, experience working in it. And so I got a job as an assistant working for two guys that were producing a show um, called Allegiance, which is about the Japanese American internment during World War II. And uh, a part of that working on that show was that they, um, the star of that show and uh, was George Takei, who is the original uh, Sulu from Star Trek. And so um, the, the production was based largely on his experience as a, a Japanese American uh, child in these internment camps. So uh, that was uh, that was my first sort of job out of school. I worked with them uh, for about a year and a half, and that was really where I learned social media. Again, I had not taken any marketing classes at Penn State. Um, I took one Photoshop class at Penn State because it was on Fridays at 1130, and so that meant I could sleep <laughs> in. Um, and it turns out that that Photoshop class is 100% the most profitable uh, class that I took while at Penn State. I've used it more in my career than probably any other skill that I have. Um, but yeah, I worked for them for about a year and a half, learned social media, worked directly, um, not only on the show's channels, but in building George Takei's channels as well. Um, and that was at a time when social media was still very much like in its nascent phase. You know, Facebook was still really solidifying itself. Um, makes me feel so old, like saying that now, like it wasn't actually that long ago, but, um, Facebook was still sort of figuring out where it was going to go and still growing in a, in a big way. Um, and so I, I learned from them, worked for them for about a year and a half. And then I left there and did a few other odd jobs. I sold some advertising for some websites. I was working as an assistant for a guy for a while, um, but always doing social media as like a side hustle. So I had a real estate agent up in Washington Heights that I knew that I helped um, build, you know, work on their social media. Um, and I was doing this tiny off-Broadway show called Fifty Shades the Musical, which is based on the books. It was this parody musical. Um, and during that time, I was introduced to a guy named Jeffrey Seller. Jeffrey is um, one of the most prolific producers uh, on Broadway. Uh, he produced Avenue Q, In the Heights, um, Rent uh, was his right. like first production. And so uh, I had an informational interview with him. I asked him about producing and what my career path could be. Um, and in that conversation, his biggest piece of advice that he left me with continually like repeated um, was that I needed to find something to make some actual money because I wasn't going to do that producing. Um, and so that, you know, I, I mentioned in that conversation that I was doing social media for this tiny little show called Fifty Shades the Musical. And it happened to be the same day as um, Jeffrey had a meeting with his digital agency for uh, a show that he was producing. He didn't love the stuff that he saw in the meeting and his assistant called me the next day and said, you know, would you feel comfortable uh, running the social media for this Broadway show? Um, Paul, I had no clue what I was doing. I, I, I was running around these tiny off Broadway things like taking videos on my phone and just right. like faking it, you know? Um, so of course I said, yeah, absolutely. I definitely can do this. Um, and uh, that sort of has epitomized my, my journey is uh, the fake it till you make it is a principle that I live by in a, in a big way. But um, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of the company. And then as that show was starting to wind down was about two months before uh, a show called Hamilton um, premiered downtown at the public theater. Uh, so I started all the accounts for that and um, ran those uh, from the beginning. That, that's, that's an amazing story. You know, it's, it's a great example of um, what, what I, I, I think I, sold, I said it to my um, daughter, who's a sophomore in college the other day. I said, if you only apply for jobs that you're qualified for, you're never going to leave the first job that you that you ever had, right? I mean, that's how people grow. That's how people learn. Um, and, and that's the great example, right? The only answer you could give him was yes, if you wanted to be where you are today, right? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I also, so we'll, we'll talk about it in a little while, but um, one of the biggest things I talk to Penn State students about is this idea of unexpected trajectories. I went to school for stage management and lighting design, and I now work in digital advertising for Broadway shows. Almost all of the colleagues that I have working on Broadway went to school for something other than what they now work in. So the idea that there is opportunity, vast opportunity to use the skills that you got at Penn State, even if it's for a job that doesn't necessarily apply directly to um, what your major was, is something that I think is super important for um, current students and recent alumni to, to think about. Whether, whether you're a person of faith or not, there are forces in this universe at work, right? That that uh, push people in different directions, right? I, I tell students, you should definitely have a plan, but you should also be listening to the forces around you and taking opportunities that present itself. It's, it's oftentimes that opportunity that you hadn't considered as part of your original plan that ultimately leads you towards, towards your passion. And so, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's having a plan, but uh, listening to the forces around you as well. Yeah, going with it, you know, rolling, yeah. rolling with whatever opportunities. Uh, I, I say yes a lot more than I say no. Yeah, I didn't realize we'd be talking to the social media genius behind George Takei, though. Uh, <laughs> that he is, uh, he is a must follow on on Twitter. Uh, is it is it fair to say that um, George learned everything about social media from from you in your early days? Uh, I, I would say that I learned everything about social media from working with George. Um, right. The thing that I we appreciated the most was we started those, the, the guys that I work for started those accounts um, with the intention of, you know, maybe he'll have 10, 20,000 followers um, that will help push the show uh, forward. And it turns out that he started posting this content that was just people really gravitated toward. And so um, there would be days when we would gain 10 to 20,000 followers in a day on Facebook. It was right. during a very unprecedented time. Um, but yeah, it was a, a really interesting experience because again, it was at a time when people were still sort of throwing spaghetti at the wall as far as social media is concerned. Um, and so we were able to just try stuff out and see what worked. And um, that trial and error really uh, helped to sort of form what, what we continue to use as some of our best practices within the company at Marathon now. Well, he's also, yeah, he's also become a, a brave and really important voice on Twitter that millions have gravitated towards to find humor and, and comfort. And um, you're right. He's, he's been, um, his accounts have been the right thing for people during some difficult times. Totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, Broadway culture. When I think of Broadway culture, it's put your cameras away. It's don't take video. Um, it's you got to buy a ticket to come to the show to, to see what's going on. But the model that you've put in place, especially when I think about the work you've done with Hamilton, um, has really kind of blown up that, has really blown up that paradigm where it's, hey, look at what we're doing and we're going to do it on the street and give it away for free. How has that shifted the way people think about uh, marketing and promoting shows on Broadway? Yeah, for sure. So again, when when I started the accounts for Hamilton, it was still at a time when like we we had just started using Instagram at all for the last ship, which was the show I did just prior to Hamilton. Um, so it was still in this moment of of discovery, and we were still in this moment of sort of figuring it out. And so as 
Hamilton started to become what it became. And as it moved to Broadway and tickets were selling out, I recognized that I had an opportunity to democratize the brand in a way that nobody else could. There's only 1400 seats in that theater on Broadway. Now, um, you know, now it has, there are five companies all throughout North America um, to one in Australia, one in London, but at the time it was just Broadway. So 1400 people a night, eight, eight times a week were the only people that were able to experience Hamilton. Um, and so I felt it was my both obligation and opportunity to um, take that out of the world of, of, uh, just those seats and really bring it to people wherever they were, whatever their financial background was, um, and make them feel as though they were part of that that journey and part of that family and community. Um, and that still rings true in what we're doing now. You know, it's like all of our work is about cultivating communities around these shows, building groups of fans uh, that that want to support it, and creating content that they want to share with other people to hopefully spread the word farther and attract new ticket buyers. Mike, what are what are some of the other innovative projects that you've been part of? Uh, maybe even more recently, share some of your your favorite projects that you've been working on. Yeah, um, Hades Town was a really cool experience for me. Um, I, I was involved with Hades Town uh, a couple years before it actually arrived on Broadway. So I worked on it when it went up to Canada, and then it went out to London. And I got to work on it, um, and uh, as I as I was working on it, my wife was traveling with me, and so she got to see the show in Canada. She got to see it in London. Um, she's a, a performer. She was in The Little Mermaid on Broadway. Has worked regionally around the country, um, you know, since she was in college, and. Uh, uh, she came out of the production in London and said, you know, I think I could be one of those fates. Um, and so uh, fast forward to, um, you know, when the show was preparing for Broadway and I was working on the show, I was capturing content. We were doing the lead up um, and she uh, also was auditioning for the show and ended up being cast as one of the fates. Um, so it, working on Town like personally was really cool professionally though to answer your question paul was um the opportunity for us to go with the show as early as that a show that um i knew had the same uh opportunity for stickiness as as a hamilton did you know had the opportunity to cultivate an audience in a meaningful way and so we were able to sort of be that um that catalyst and that engine within the the company and so um, yeah, I take a lot of pride in in the journey that that Hades Town went on and the role that we played in sort of helping it to get there. Mike, when I think about Hades Town and I think about um, Hamilton, maybe talk a little bit about your process on projects that you decide to go with and projects that you might pass on, because it seems like you gravitate towards those that have really strong social messages um, and and things that. A lot of people are thinking about in in real time are the projects that you seem to gravitate towards. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I would say, uh, Paul, both as like a producer and as uh, you know, the head of of Marathon, I care very deeply about the stuff that we choose to do. Um, a huge piece, a huge important piece is the team that is working on it. I think that it's really important to work on stuff that you enjoy the people that you're working with. I've worked in a lot of early on in my career where we worked with a lot of um, producers and on a lot of shows that I just didn't have that sort of relationship with. Um, and then as far as the shows that we choose, you know, we care very deeply that these shows represent who we want how we want to be represented as a brand. And that is, um, you know, forward thinking, uh, inviting new conversations, um, shows that 
uh, open up the opportunity to have new audiences come to see Broadway shows. You know, Ain't Too Proud, um, we work significantly trying to cultivate the BIPOC community to be able to come out and see the show. Um, so I would say that our sort of barometer for when we're deciding what shows we want to do and what shows we don't want to do definitely is related to the people associated with it, um, but also is a lot about sort of the ethos of the show and what it is looking to do and also how we can play a role in that. What can social media do? What can the content that we create do to support that journey um, in a meaningful way? We know COVID-19 had a tremendous impact on Broadway. Um, Broadway has just recently reopened. Talk a little bit about how you were advising your clients during that, that time period. And what are some of the big takeaways now into what we're now calling our cliche new normal, right? What are some of the things that you didn't do before COVID-19 that are now has become standard uh, advice that you give to your clients? Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, we, during when the shutdown happened, shows halted. And so as a result, um, the majority of our clients halted fully. Um, so we went through a period where we had to furlough all but one of my employees. Um, it was a real uh, challenging moment for the company. Um, but what we realized was it allowed us a second to sort of reset and decide how we wanted to proceed and who we wanted to be on the other side of it. Um, and then we were really fortunate in that when people couldn't do stuff in person, suddenly they had to shift to doing these things digitally. Um, and so we were this digital agency that was in the right place at the right time. So we actually ended up cultivating a whole new uh, roster of clients that we work with, nonprofit organizations. We work with Berkeley Rep out in California, um, Seattle Fifth Avenue uh, Theater. So we have the opportunity to um, we had the opportunity to really jump into uh, a lot of new work that supplemented us. Um, I think personally, what I have learned, uh, I, I, uh, my family dynamic has changed greatly. Uh, I'm in a new phase of my own life. Um, and so I think that the thing that I um, have taken away from it and the thing that we push to our clients is that uh, there are opportunities to reach all different types of people in different places. And it's a matter of being smart about the channels that you use based on the audience that you think you're looking to um, cultivate and finding the pieces of content that resonate with people. I, I think that so much of our principles um, early on was just about filling channels and, and pushing content out regularly. Um, and now it's much more about what is the thing that's going to um, make that person say, yeah, I want to see that show or, oh, I want to know more about that. Um, so we have really built a lot of our uh, strategy based on um, making the right content rather than just a lot of content. This is the People of Penn State podcast. I'm Paul Clifford. I'm joined today by Tony Award-winning producer and entrepreneur, Mike Carnes. Mike, every step along the way with, with all the success that you've had in uh, building your career, building your business, you have still found time to get back to Happy Valley and give back to Penn State in a number of, in a number of different ways. I know personally you, you serve on alumni council and represent alumni in that way, in terms of giving service back to Penn State, you've been involved with the Theater AIG, you have been Volunteer of the Year, you've won the Alumni Achievement Award, and now you have a new venture going on with the Pavilion Project. First, talk a little bit about why it's important to continue to come back and give back. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I mentioned before, you know, Penn State was the place where I uh, first 
felt like I was part of a community. Um, and I have continued to feel part of that community. I, uh, you know, my, I have good friends that are going to Penn State, I still am in touch with a lot of the students at Penn State. Um, so the thing for me was, uh, I wanted to continue to have ties to Penn State, I wanted to continue to be a part of that community. And I wanted to find a way that I could use the things that I had learned, the, the knowledge that I had gained in my career so far um, to give back to students and make them feel as though they could explore new opportunities or feel empowered to uh, look for new um, uh, things that might be of interest to them. And so, um, yeah, I've, I, the first thing I did was join the um, alumni programs group for the School of Theater. Uh, and that was a place where we have done, um, for the last, I believe, seven years, have done a festival. It's called the Stages Festival, which is School of Theater alumni giving experience to students. Um, and that's a yearly uh, festival where we bring uh, a, a host of Penn State alumni, some friends of alumni back to Penn State for a day, basically just to talk to students, review portfolios, tell them about what their career journey has been. Um, again, as this idea of when I said I was a student at Penn State and realized there were all these other careers out there, um, I feel an obligation and opportunity to be able to do the same thing for the students uh, there. Um, yeah, and so that has, I have continued to, you know, I'm on the Arts and Architecture Alumni Board and then uh, have now been been a part of the Alumni Council for a couple years. Um, and I think that the thing that is most exciting to me is feeling as though um, this place that I cared so deeply about, I can be a very, very small part of helping to make it a great place for the kids like me that are coming in there. And also to help those kids as they're getting ready to go into their careers, this idea of making a, a better conduit from the, the world of Penn State to the real world is something that I care very deeply about. Absolutely. It's, it's really, it's showing the power of the Penn State network to current students. It's building that you know, you hear about in the theater world or in the entertainment world, the, the Northwestern Mafia, right? It's building that version of that here at Penn State so that students have, have connections, so that students, you know, might have a, a couch to sleep on while they're in town for an audition, right? It's, it's all of those little things that add up to some really big things for Penn State students. And it's those alumni connections that can make all the difference. 100%. Uh, you know, people have gotten, multiple people have gotten actual jobs from this stages festival that we do because Penn State alumni want to help out Penn State students. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big naysayer of the Northwestern mafia. It's like, well, our, we're bigger. We're bigger than they are. So we should have a stronger, we should have a stronger alliance within the theater and entertainment community than anybody else does. So um, I, I sort of feel it as my obligation to help to cultivate that in some way. Well, you could be, you're the Don Carleone of the Penn State Mafia. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. There right. you go. Uh, talk a little bit about the Pavilions Project, because that's something that I know you're really excited about. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things that uh, over the course of the pandemic that I, I recognized, I recognized a few things. One was that um, there was a seismic shift happening within the Broadway community. Uh, no longer was it going to be okay for us to tell the same stories over and over again, to feature the same people on stage over and over again. Um, and I saw an opportunity for uh, to create something that could help to move that idea of the American canon of theater uh, along. And I always have believed that Penn State is a place that could support um, a, a sort of cultural retreat for people to be able to go back um, and work on the projects that they worked on uh, or are working on. And so 
yeah, I started to hatch this idea. I was talking quite uh, quite a lot to um, Steve Carpenter, the dean, of, the new dean of the College of Arts and Architecture, um, Rick Lombardo, who's the head of the School of Theater, um, and we just started chatting about sort of what what could this thing be? What could we create that could serve this purpose? Um, and so I've been working over the course of the last uh, five or six months um, with two other alumni. Um, Amy Anders Corcoran, uh, who is a, a directing candidate or directing uh, MFA uh, graduate, and Gilbert Bailey, who was a musical theater alumni, graduated a year before I did. Um, and we're creating this thing called the Pavilion Project. And our goal is to uh, is 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 sort of threefold. One is to uh, you know move the move the canon of American theater forward. Um, the idea that we need to tell more stories of underrepresented people, um, stories of of uh, differently abled people. Um, the idea that, uh, so that, that is one of the principles. Another one is the idea of using, going back to college to work on your piece. So we really think that the idea of going and staying in the dorms, of having a meal plan, of being on campus and being in that Penn State culture uh, is something that can really um, serve as a catalyst for these writers and a, and a place for them to come and write. Uh, and then the third, and in, in my opinion, of equal importance to the other two is the idea of being able to give Penn State students the opportunity to cross paths with working professionals and have real world experiences while they're still in school. So a huge component of what we're doing with the Pavilion Project is um, a, a, a portion of each of the casts will be made up of students. There will be student associate designers working with professional designers. Um, there will be arts administration support staff that will be made up of students. Um, and so we're we're working to create this summer festival probably in July around the time of Arts Fest um, to have these folks come back and come and create pieces and also to work with our students and give them experience um, about real world you know development situations. That's a that's an amazing project, and I look forward to seeing that come to fruition. I look forward to people coming back for Arts Fest and having an in person Arts Fest and. Um, I, I think, you know, while the world will never be the same, those are some of the uh, some of the indicators of normalcy that I think we all continue to look forward to. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, Mike, we like to have a little bit of fun at the end of our people of the Penn State people of Penn State podcast. Uh, I'm just going to ask you some quick hitter questions and you just give us the first thing that pops into mind. All right. I'm ready. What was your first Broadway show? First Broadway show I ever saw was Miss Saigon. Uh, I was uh, six. I was way too young to see Miss Saigon, but I went with my family. Uh, it was like the middle of summer and it was like 90 some degrees out. And so um, my parents got discount tickets at the TKTS booth right in Times Square there um, and got me like a family size pack of M&Ms. Uh, all I remember are the M&Ms and I remember the helicopter coming down on the stage. Um, but that was my first Broadway show. That's amazing. I think my first one was The Secret Garden. I saw Love it at that. the St. James Theater um, back when I was, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade. We took a school trip, and and that's the show that we saw. It's so good. Some huge theater. There were some huge theater names in that thing when you saw it. Those yeah. are like theater. That's a theater history piece right there. It was fantastic. I didn't appreciate it until much later, but I'm glad I oh, paid yeah. attention. Yeah. Absolutely. How about your all-time favorite Broadway show? 
so cliche, Paul, but I gotta say it's Hamilton. Um, I'm a big, uh, I, I, I like hip hop music a lot. I have always felt as though there's an opportunity for um, modern music, music that we are listening to on Spotify to be featured in a Broadway show. And so when Hamilton came out, uh, that was sort of the confluence of all of the things that I uh, care most about. And so I am like super proud to say that uh, it's, it is cliche and yet still Hamilton is absolutely the, the best thing that I've ever seen or been a part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. A fantastic, fantastic show indeed. Now, I hope this next one doesn't trip you up because there's only one right answer to this, Mike. Okay. Your favorite Broadway performer. There's only one answer? There's only one answer, and I think you live my, with her. My answer is Kay, Kay Carnes, oh, known as Kay Trinidad, who is my wife, who is in the original company of Hadestown, for sure. It's my answer. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> How about your favorite class at Penn State? Oh, that's a good one, Paul. My favorite class at Penn State. Um, I'm going to give you two answers. Um, my my favorite theater class at Penn State. Um, I had a properties class, like props design class, uh, with a woman named Renee Cradell. Uh, I was a freshman. It was still at a time when, again, I, I didn't really know what I wanted my career to be. Um, and she was the person who just challenged us to um, explore everything that was out there. Um, she was a person who would like pull off to the side of the road and pick up random stuff on the side because she saw a prop that she could create with it. Um, and so that was always something that I, I, I love that class and I love my uh, interaction with her. And then um, my favorite non-theater class um, was ballroom dancing for sure. I loved the, uh, I took ballroom dancing at a time when I was a single bachelor and uh, I tried to maximize it to uh, the greatest effect, but also it was like, yeah, I just, I built a community of people that I really, um, we really got along and we really had a good time in the class. That's fantastic. Killing killing two birds with one stone, maybe 100%. one on the uh, general ed requirement and then one on the social aspect of being at Penn State. Fantastic. Exactly. Yep. If you could have dinner with anyone outside of your family, who would it be and why? Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think I'd say Hal Prince. Hal Prince is a, a theater producer, without question, probably the most prolific theater producer. Um, I started in the business when Hal was still alive and still very active, um, and I missed the opportunity to really connect with him. But um, he's a person that is a, a leader in the way that I want to be a leader. He was a, um, a, a he cultivated great people around him, which is something that I care very deeply about. Um, I'd love to have the opportunity to sit down with him and, and pick his brain about both um, his work as well as his balance of work and life as a dad and husband. You mentioned uh, your opportunity to travel with the work that you do. What has been your most unusual we are moment? Maybe a place that you heard it where it caught you off guard or you weren't expecting to run into other Penn Staters or be identified as a Penn Stater? Yeah, so I actually, um, I, I don't really have a good answer for that. But what I will say in response is that I frequently am the we are yeller. Um, right. My wife went to NYU. Uh, she uh, went to school there, doesn't have the same sort of, uh, it, it still cares about it, but is not, is, has not um, been so deeply in, 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 read into the community. Um, so I say it everywhere we go. Anytime I see somebody with Penn State hat or Penn State jersey or something, we'll be traveling internationally and I'll see somebody and I'll go, we are, we are. But um, I sometimes am hesitant about the way that I do it. So I will not yell it right away. I'll kind of go, we are, we are, we are. Um, and so now my wife uh, really loves to to hassle me about uh, she, every, every time she sees somebody, she'll go, we are, we are, we are. Um, so that is, uh, that's kind of my we are 
uh, moment for sure. I That's funny. I, I am the two feet in guy who yells it in the airport and, and is sometimes kind of like gets the weird look like, what are you talking about? And then they realize. Well, sometimes they don't realize they're wearing a Penn State shirt or hat. Like right. Sometimes I just have a ball cap on and I'm like, why is this person yelling at me? I'm like, oh, okay, it's, Penn, it's the Penn State. Right. I am that guy too, Paul. <laughs> How about your favorite Penn State sport? Uh, it's really good. Um, Penn State sport. I mean, obviously the football program is something that I, I had a lot of great experiences with. Right. Um, however, another one of my like favorite Penn State memories, not a sport as much as it was an intramural thing, but um, I played ultimate Frisbee uh, for a while, my senior right. year. Um, and again, that, that idea of that community was really cool. Um, and I just like that. Uh, even the lesser visible um, things. I also ran, uh, I was in a distance running class that then I became a part of a club as a result of that. I run marathons, which is the, uh, or used to run marathons, haven't lately, but um, that's the reason for the name of the company. But um, I say Ultimate Frisbee and, and uh, the distance running were the two groups that I um, found myself uh, at the most deep in. That's good. That's fantastic. Talk. Um, so final question, maybe the most important question your favorite flavor of creamery ice cream? It's a really good question, Paul. <laughs> I'm a classic. I'm a classic um, chocolate chip cookie dough. Um, okay. But then there's a monkey, monkey, monkey business, monkey something that's banana. Monkey, is it? Um, is it monkey business? I'm looking monkey, at our monkey business. It's the banana and um, chocolate swirl peanut okay. butter one. It's the best. I was looking at our producer for some help here, but. <laughs> um, I think it might be monkey business. Yeah, but, I think uh, monkey business sounds right. Yeah, monkey business. There it is, monkey That's business. It. Fantastic. <laughs> you might be the first first guest on the People of Penn State podcast to pick monkey business. What are the other choices? The usuals, the peachy paternos? Peachy paterno, WPSU coffee break, yeah. a lot of death by chocolate, um, an obscure sect of the Penn State community that likes tea berry ice cream, which I haven't yet. Uh, some of them are good friends of yours. Uh, Randy Houston and he's a um, tea berry guy. He's a tea berry guy, and wow. uh, Susan Robinson's a tea berry. Wow, uh, fan. So you think you know people, Mike, and totally. then they reveal this kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, that's wild. I got to try it out. Absolutely. Well, Mike, hey, thank you so much for joining us on the People of Penn State podcast. Your story continues to swell thy fame of dear old state, and for that, we're truly grateful. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Uh, but again, Penn State is a place I care very deeply about and uh, hope to hope to continue to be a part of for many years to come. And we want to thank all of you for listening. If you liked this episode, I hope that you'll subscribe to the People of Penn State podcast in your favorite podcast app of choice. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating or drop us a review. It helps us to spread the word and helps other Penn Staters find these great stories. If you're sharing these on social media, be sure to tag the Alumni Association with at Penn State alums. If you're a member of the Penn State Alumni Association, thank you so much for your support. If you're not, what are you waiting for? Visit alumni.psu.edu today, and you too can become a member of the world's largest alumni association. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all you do for the university, for the glory, and for the future. We are when we stood at childhood's gate, shapeless in the hands of fate, thou didst mold us, dear old state.
Dear old state, dear old state.